Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nashonda Shines. You guys know what time it is. Welcome back to another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. I'm your host, Mashonda Miles, also known as Mashonda Shines, and I'm really, really just excited about this Try Beginner's Luck journey. We are celebrating our second year, and you know when you're starting something, it's never easy. You go, you have your ups, you have your downs, but what's most important is being consistent. Kind of like in the sport of triathlon where You just have to be consistent and that consistent grind day after day, race after race gets you to the goal line. Also with that is like that stretch and stretching yourself and switching things up and making adjustments. Those are micro adjustments that allow you to become better and better with each try. Well, today I have someone with me who's not new to this by any stretch of the imagination. Let's just say they got their start at 16 years of age. What? Yes. 16 years of age, went on to college, Penn State to be exact. You may be getting some clues of who it is. While at Penn State, got their pro card. Hmm. So you're a collegiate athlete, went pro, got real serious in 2015, full-time pro, and has not looked back since. From ITU to middle distance, this gentleman has excelled at each level. Let me just see if you know who I'm talking about. In 2021, He placed first in Memphis and in Des Moines. In 2022, 70.3 Augusta, my hometown, shout out to that. First place in first place in Chattanooga, 70.3. And in 2023, first place, Clash Miami, St. Anthony's Triathlon, and had a remarkable comeback to second place at PTO US Open. You already know. Mr. West, Mr. West, Mr. West, Mr. West, welcome to the Tribe Beginner's Luck, Jason West. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks for thanks for having me on and thanks for the introduction. You're welcome. <laughs> so all week I kept hearing uh, the Kanye West song from Late Registration, Mr. West, Mr. West. <laughs> I, that's, I was like, I had to do that. Man, you, you've been in the game for such a long time and I don't really even know where to start, like 16 years old. How did you even know at 16 triathlon was the way to go for you? Oh, I wouldn't say I knew, you know, I think, uh, I was doing a lot of, a lot of things. I did a lot, a lot of different sports growing up. I wrestled for about 10 years, a long time. Um, and I was doing a little bit of swimming and I think I was kind of searching for, for my next thing that I was really passionate about. And, um, I decided to enter triathlon. I did it with my dad and he had never done any type of endurance sport in his life. Um, yeah. And we did, did that first race and then I guess it it clicked and just built from there. But yeah, I, I really had no idea what I was getting myself into. I had no experience in the sport, nobody around me who had any experience with it or, or anything. So it was, almost like a random chance thing that it even, even happened. Yeah. It was sort of like you tried beginner's luck. Yeah, pretty much. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It wasn't, it was pretty rough. I remember it wasn't like I was, uh, super amazing at it when I first started. So yeah, I I got got a, a good butt kick in that day. I love it. So you started with your dad. Now you also have some brothers. Did your brothers participate in sport with you or was it just you and dad? Uh, the triathlon was just, um, yeah, myself and, and my dad. Um, 
uh, my bro, my brother who was closest in age, only about a year and a half older than me, we did a bit of swimming together and we did a little bit of sport together as we grew up. Um, but at, at this point he was, he was getting into playing the guitar, which he now does for a living. He's super passionate about that. And he kind of went that way. And I was like, just always into sports and athletics. And that's, that's where I wanted to go. And, um, so yeah, at that point it was kind of like, we did some different things and yeah, I just entered it with my dad and we, uh, I bought a bike for 300 bucks or something like that. And, um, yeah, it was just kind of funny. So take me back to 16 years old with you and your dad training. What did training look like for you at that time? Uh, I would get home from school and just go ride my bike or go for a run. Um, I, we found some loops, basically I would go out with my dad and we had some like, you know, five, six mile loops and we would pick like three or four of them and combine them and just try to do as fast as I could every day. (laughs) Um, things like that. I would run around the block. It was a few miles. I would basically run to the end of the driveway and just boom, just nail it running as hard as I could. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a funny thing. I mean, I remember, I think my dad bought like a set of clip on arrow bars before the race and it was like the coolest thing. And I was like, Oh, I don't have one of those. (laughs) Um, so it was very much just, I have no idea what I'm doing and and I'm just excited to, to try it out. Um, And then obviously I was 16, I was probably a junior in high school. Um, And then as I got to like my senior year in high school, we actually moved about 30, 40 minutes away, but I finished my final year at the same school. So I had to have like my mom come and pick me up after she got home from work. So I would basically, I would go to school and then I would go to the Y and I would like swim and lift or run. And then she would pick me up at like 630 and then I would go home and either do homework or work out again. And then basically that was, that was every day. Um, so it was, it was an interesting time, but it was like, I really wanted to do it. So it worked out well. Um, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right. So we've trained for this race. Here we go. It is race day. What were, if you can remember back to this time, what were some of your thoughts as you were driving to the race site? Oh, I think I was just, just excited. Um, anytime you're doing something new, I think there's just a fresh excitement with it. Right. Um, I really wasn't sure what I was getting myself into things like that. I don't know that I had ever done an open water swim in my life. I mean, I had done some swimming and I like in the summers and so I, I was very capable swimmer, but like, I, I didn't know what I was getting into or anything like that. Um, and yeah, just, just excited, just trying to figure it out. Like, I think when it's your first time, there's so many things you don't know. Like I didn't have a tri suit. I was swimming in a speedo and then putting clothes on before the ride and doing all these different things, because what do I know? You know, I, I didn't know a tri suit was a thing. I was just like, I have this $5 Walmart top that's tight. I'm going to put on. <laughs> and that was, that was it. And like, you just didn't think about it. And, uh, yeah. So I think it was just, just excitement and, um, just wanting to see what it was all about. All right. So you're swimming in a speedo <laughs> and putting clothes on top of the speedo. Now, how was that for your bike? Um, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I remember the day it was very, very cold. Like it was September in Pennsylvania. So it's, you never, it could be really cold. It could be warm, but I remember it being very cold. And, uh, yeah, I mean, most people were probably wearing wetsuits and I was one of those people who wasn't. And, uh, I remember like sitting down in transition, trying to put all that stuff on when you're soaking wet and it was taking forever and everybody was just running through transition. I was like, I mean, how'd they do that so fast? (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I remember being like freezing cold out there. Like, my hands were freezing and all that stuff. Like you just didn't have nearly the, all the, the equipment that you would want to have and things like that. But it just kind of shows like, you don't, you can get through it and enjoy it. And like, 
really learn what the sport's about on a pretty minimal amount of, of stuff. That's a key tidbit right there. You can get by on this sport with very minimum just to get started. Get in, see where you feel, and and just do it. You don't have to have all the bells and whistles yet because you don't know what you're going to need. And would you say it's a fair, we're going to skip a little bit. Do you think it's a fair assessment is that wait until you figure out what you need because then you can see how that particular um, device or particular piece of gear will be beneficial for you as you progress. Yeah, for sure. And I think I, like I did my first race, probably I rode the bike with sneakers on, you know, like with my run shoes. So great T2, I guess. Right. <laughs> but, um, but that was just, it was like, get the minimum stuff that you need. Like I bought a bike for $300 and you know, I, it, it was a very minimal amount of stuff and then you do it and you see what it's all about. And then you say, okay, I want to get a little bit better at this. Like, what can I do? I can get, you know, this or that, or one day I bought an arrow helmet or, you know, I remember I bought my first pair of clip-in bike shoes and things like that, mm -hmm. but I certainly didn't start with all of that. Um, and yeah, so you just kind of, you get to, to know like, Hey, I, I really like this sport. I want to do a lot of races and I want to invest in it. And I enjoy doing that. And it brings me a lot of, it's just fun. So then you get, you buy this little thing or that little thing. And before you know it, you know, you accumulate a lot of stuff, but it's not like you got to buy the $10,000 package all in, out, out, right out, out the gate. So, um, yeah, it's just funny thinking about those times. Now you can't forget that. I, I guess that keeps you humble a little bit. Like I remember when I did this and, and now I'm here and it just keeps you like, I've come a long way. I've come a long <laughs> yeah. Way. I guess I'm, I'm just old enough to have, the shifters on like the stem of the bike, you know, or they're not on the handlebars. You have to reach down, reach down. So just old enough to, to have had a bike like that. Yeah. I, um, you mentioned something about a fast T2 <laughs> <laughs> because you had on bike, you had on shoot running shoes already. <laughs> you were, you said you wrestled, but I don't recall you ever stating that you were a runner. And to now in 2023, be one of the fastest runners out here on the circuit. What was your run like in 20? Well, when you were 16 years old. Yeah. Um, I ran middle school track. Oh, <laughs> Seventh okay. and eighth grade. I ran track. Um, and surprise, I ran the mile, which was the longest event they had. Right. I think I ran a 520 mile in eighth grade or whatever, but um. Yeah, I, when I did my first triathlon, I had a two-mile run, and I think I ran 14 minutes, which, um, yeah, which is is obviously nowadays, I'm like, oh, my God, but uh, <laughs> in comparison to what I'm doing. But, <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I certainly, there was plenty of guys I was racing against that were were crushing me, and I remember it, it was felt so hard. Like, I got on that run, and I felt so bad. And I was like, what is going on? And this is so hard. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's come a long way. I think, <clears throat> I think I might've entered a 5k when I was 17 or 18 and run like 18 minutes. Mm -hmm. I think that was the first 5k I ever ran like straight up. Um, so yeah, it wasn't like I had this great running background or anything. I think mm -hmm. I was naturally suited towards it, but just never started actually doing it until I was later in life. You see the humble brag? I mean, I was naturally suited for it. <laughs> Didn't even crack a smile. No, no, I was naturally suited for it. I love it. Okay. So you're running, people were passing you. You didn't know what was going on. You come to the finish line. Are you and your dad competitive? Was there a bet on the table to say who was going to come in first place or not? Or who was going to beat out of you too? Um, I don't know. I think he may have, uh, given up on that. I remember, I remember we in middle school, he was really convinced that he could beat me at the mile. So he like trained real hard and we went and we, you know, we climbed through the fence at the school or whatever. And, uh, we raced the mile and I kicked his butt 
And I think maybe after that, he was a little like, okay, maybe I can't beat him at these things. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely a competitive guy. Like we would always, always be doing stuff, playing basketball and this and that and uh, competing. And I, I probably get my competitiveness from him. Yeah. Okay. I'm here for it. Does your dad still participate in the sport? Uh, he's still really into cycling. Okay. I think, um, I remember he did one Olympic distance triathlon. He was like, never again, <laughs> because it was so hard. Um, so he had done some sprints and, uh, yeah, he, um, he races his bike on the tracks still. And I think, you know, he's in his sixties. So, um, really, really likes that does some like kind of neighborhood crit racing stuff. Um, so yeah, he's super into cycling and, he always said he wished he had found it, you know, earlier in his life. Cause he didn't find it until I was 16 and he was, you know, however old fifties. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's, uh, it's pretty cool that he's, he's still doing a lot of it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that your dad found it a little bit later in life, but he's still out there doing crits and crits are intense. So your dad is definitely next level if he's out there still doing crits. One, two, he got to pass the legacy to you and give you the opportunity to do it. And then when you have children, you can pass it on to, you know, your children. And so sometimes it takes that first opportunity. And I'm learning so many people are just getting into it. And so the fact that you're able to try at 16 still you're way ahead of the game than some people who are just learning about it in their thirties and forties and fifties. I'm on this group with the black triathlon association and um, Yvonne Spencer asked this question, when was your first try? And 90% of the people got started middle age, like late thirties or above. And it was like, Oh, I guess a lot of us are having midlife crisis <laughs> to get into triathlon. Right. And so I just think it's admirable that it was accessible for you because it's, it's just not, but in the Northeast region of the world, it's popular. Triathlon is a very popular local sport that people can just be able to do. And I think that that is absolutely amazing. So you finished your first race, you do your 5k standalone. You're like, Hmm, there's something to this. You go to Penn state. And you're on the club team. So what was it like in college? Because in college is where you went pro. And many people don't talk about that, but you went pro in 2013. So let's talk about a little bit of your collegiate career. Yeah, it was, um, it was really cool. Like, I think as I was, I was starting to drive more places to events, trying to, to go to the bigger events. Um, find the, like the really good competition. And like you said, there's a lot of opportunity in the Northeast where I could get in the car and, and drive to a lot of big cities and things like that, where I didn't have to get in a, a or pack my bike and get on a plane, things like that. And because at that time in my life, that prop, that probably wasn't an option for me. Like if I lived in Nebraska, I, I probably wouldn't have been doing much because I, there's no way I could afford to fly here and there and everywhere to race. So it was great. I could drive a lot of different places. And then, yeah, I went to Penn state and we had all these conference races and things, things that I was motivated to do well at, um, just to keep getting better and, and trying to succeed at like national championships. That was a really cool idea for me, um, was to try to, to be the best in the, in the country. Um, so I felt like I, I had a lot of these like stepping stone goals that kept me improving and getting better. And, yeah, I started going to some of the, the the bigger Northeast races that had professional fields. So then I started to get a little bit exposed to it. And for the first few years, it was really just, I just enjoy doing this. And then all of a sudden I start seeing, Hey, there's like a career opportunity here. And, um, that was super cool. And it was like, Oh, maybe I can actually turn this into a career. Um, but yeah, college was, was really awesome. I mean, I feel like it's this period of time of, you know, four years where the focus is getting your degree and you know, you're going to be there, but you have all, all this time to develop as an athlete. And 
start to actually see if, if, Hey, you're good enough to do this or not. Um, and you kind of start to see the signs of if, if you are, or you're not. Um, but yeah, I had, had amazing friends that wanted to do the same thing in college and train because, you know, when you're in high school, triathlon is not exactly the coolest sport or thing to do. You're, you know, nobody else is doing that. And, you know, it's like you're, you're wearing tights and going for bike rides and it's, yeah, it's just, you're not the cool kid. Like, let's be honest. It's just strange. Right. Um, so it was good in college. Like you had more friends and like-minded people and people that would maybe kind of like celebrate your passion for that a little bit more. Um, and you can really like dig into it and, and allow it to kind of be more of who you are and enjoy that. And, uh, so yeah, it was, was a really awesome four years there. I, I really loved it. Competition. You're going to these bigger races. You're seeing there's something to this. I got the goods. I can do this. After you graduated from college, that's when you doubled down and was like, I'm going to give myself a shot. And that was when in 2015, I believe, or was it a little? Yeah, bit I graduated in uh, 2015 and uh, moved out to Boulder with a few friends, really. Because um, it was, I felt like at that, that age, you really don't have anything to lose, right? You haven't yeah. started a career. You haven't you really don't have any responsibilities. <laughs> you don't have like many costs. So if you can take that chance, like it's a good time to take a chance. Um, and if you have an opportunity, like just go for it. And I was lucky that I had a lot of supportive people in my life. Uh, my family just super supportive, wanting me to do something that I'm passionate about. And um, they were all just like, Hey, it's going to be super hard. Uh, and yeah, like, you know what you're getting yourself into, but go for it. Um, and yeah, it was, it was very, very hard, but at the end of the day, it's like you get to wake up every day and do something you love. And, um, it took a long time. Like I probably would have described myself as semi-pro for many years, just because you're working something else to make enough money. And maybe you're making a couple bucks in the sport and it's like, you know, yeah, you're a professional, but you're not really paying your bills and right. it's really tough. And, uh, but you know, if, if you love it and you, you really want to do it, you, you're willing to work through that. And, uh, yeah, like at that time in your life, it's just, I think it's a little bit easier to make those sacrifices and, um, you don't have any, you know, other people that are dependent on you and stuff like that. So yeah, it was, uh, not a lot of kids would probably move across the country with, you know, no job and no money and, and pretty much nothing. And I was just like, I'm just going to make it work, <laughs> which maybe was a bit like delusional, but at the same time, if, if you're willing to, to work hard and like back yourself and say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to make it work and I'm willing to do whatever it takes, then it's like, you probably will, like, you're probably going to find a way. So work hard the determination and the will, and you found a way. I was going to ask you about those hard moments. I think a lot of times, especially in the glorified days of Instagram, we only get to see the success. We don't get to really dive into those hard moments. But those hard moments, which I like to call those quote unquote hidden season, is where the character is built. Mm -hmm. And I want to dive into that because you're a fresh college student. Some of your peers are off making good money at good jobs. And you're out here working hard in the mountains of Boulder, you know, sweating, swimming, biking, and running. Where did you work so that you could at least provide food? Because again, nutrition is the fourth discipline. So you have to be able to eat good quality food to maintain. So I want to know all of these things, Jason. So tell us about some of the hard times and what did you do to push yourself through? Like you talked about your familial support, which is great because everyone doesn't have family support, but the mental part of it, because I see that mental grit that you have now, that wasn't just built. Like thinking about 
your PTO, like seeing you overcome challenges in that race in August, that was my first time seeing you in person, like racing. And I'm like, he's digging from a deeper place. So tell us about those times of maybe some hardship when it wasn't all glorious, when you were probably eating rice and beans and maybe a piece of broiled chicken, you know, like that type, give it, give us the grungy overcome so people know that they can do it. Cause there might be somebody listening who may be at that phase where they're quote unquote semi-pro they have what it takes, but they don't have everything in place just yet. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, we're sitting here in 2023 and I'm like, okay, I feel like I've really broken through and things are looking great and everything's awesome, but it's 2023 and we're talking, I moved out here in 2015. That's, that's a very long time. And there was some up and down success, but, um, it's really taken eight years. Right. Um, and yeah, it was really hard. I mean, I, I was a lifeguard for a long, like that's what I did originally, I would say, which I thought was good because I could just sit on my butt basically, right? When I was at work and uh, it was flexible. I could leave for races whenever I wanted. It was easy. That was always the the struggle was how do you get a job that's flexible enough that you can basically leave whenever you want, but provides you enough like money to, to feed yourself. Um and, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was, it was really tough. I mean, I remember probably in the hardest times were, um, probably 2018. I mean, I would wake up six 30, start training, train till probably two, three o'clock. And then I would work until about 10 and then go home. And I was essentially gone all day. And, uh, that's what I did every single day. And it, it was, it was really hard. Um, and I don't like, I don't think you can do it forever. There's a certain time period where you can, but, um, I would load up my food every day. Like you said, it was buckets of beans and rice and containers. And that's what I was eating like throughout the day. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was tough. I mean, sometimes I think back and it's just like, I, I don't know how I did it. Like, I don't know that I could do it again. Um, but those times they teach you, they teach you a lot. Like you got to really want something if you're willing to do all that. Um, and you know, you're, it's not like you're seeing a lot from it. It's not like you're going to work and you're working all these hours, but you're getting rewarded. It's like, you're just hoping it pays off. Right. And there's no guarantees. It's like you put in the work and it gives you a chance and that's it. There's no guarantee. It's not, not like you put in the work and it's just guaranteed to happen. Like all it does is give you a chance. And, uh, yeah, it takes a lot of faith, a lot of belief in yourself to do that. And, um, yeah, now I think like life obviously is a lot, a lot better than that and a lot easier, but at the same time, I have that strength in me and now I can apply it really just to my training and racing. And it's like, the amount I'm able to get out of myself now is so much, I think, because I'm able to put all, all of that into it now. And, um, yeah, just teaches you a lot, calluses you. And, and it also gives you like just such a great appreciation for life. Like the, all the things that great things I have in my life now are, you know, just a result of all that hard work. And I appreciate them all so much. Um, just gives you a lot of really good perspective in life. And, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly has turned me into the person that I am today. Need to go ahead and pass the offering plate, Jason, and give you a whole offering. Cause that was good. <laughs> that was real good. I think one of the things that you said, and I don't think I've ever heard it put this way is that working hard gives you the chance. It doesn't guarantee success, but it gives you a chance. And what you do with that chance is up to you, essentially. And so I love that you you stated that, the hard work. And clearly, I know something about that beans and rice lifestyle. <laughs> you know, I, so I didn't even know that was what you really ate. But I kind of, yeah. you know, that's like the, the, <laughs> the journey of, you know, you, if you don't have a beans and rice type season in your life, you ain't, 
some yeah <laughs> may right like unless you're just born with a different type of spoon in your mouth silver copper gold whatever but that beans and rife life is it, it just it hits different you know it's it's a little bit different and so i appreciate you for confirming the beans and rice lifestyle because listen you know speaking of beans and rice what, what was your favorite beans and rice meal back in the day was it black beans pinto garbanzo Oh, it was, yeah, it was black beans, rice, vegetable oil, salt and pepper. <laughs> Although one time I got this Cajun spice and then I dumped that on and just mixed it up. And like all month I did Cajun beans and rice. Man, come on, you had month, flavor months. You had Cajun months, did you? Uh, uh, man, I can, yeah, you 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 were in that life. You, you was about that life. You was about that life. I'm here for that. Cajun. Uh, so now if you were to have beans and wife with your wife, how would you make some beans and rice right now in 2023? Yeah. Oh, we do. Uh, I do a lot of like stir fry rice or like kind of like fried rice these days. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife really likes it. Um, so I do like rice and veggies, maybe some beans, a little bit of meat and I spice it up real good. And um, yeah, it's funny that it's almost kind of like really close, <laughs> but it's you know, I, I've always believed in really simple eating and I think simple, clean ingredients, stuff like that. And it, it's like, I almost feel like eating well is like almost a little bit cheap and stuff, because if you keep it simple, it's usually really good for you. And, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I've tried to continue to keep it simple and things like that, but, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy cooking a lot. So, right. yeah. So from, from beans and rice, sometimes with a little Cajun flair, to now an <laughs> elevated stir fry rice. Come on, Jason, you better get enough for the people and let them know. That's some good, as they say, that's good eating right there. That's good. <laughs> um, all right. So the grind, the beans and the rice. When would you say was your breakout years? of becoming a true professional of just being on the ground where you started to see the fruits of your labor? Yeah, I felt like I had almost two waves of it. Um, I think in 2018, I remember at the beginning, I was working like 40 hours a week training full time. It was, and I was just like, Hold up. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me there is an organization breaking down the financial barrier to compete in triathlons? Yes. Yes, there is. Fund Her Tri is doing just that. They're a 501c3 nonprofit organization chartered to bringing more women to every triathlon start line. That means they are tackling the financial barrier by reimbursing the race registration fees for first-time triathletes that are female or identify as female. So, if that's you, apply today or share with a friend you know wants to try. Visit fundhertry.org to apply. Oh, and if you've been doing triathlons for a while, consider donating or becoming a mentor. Visit www.fundhertry for more information. I can't do this anymore. I have to like, I'm either going to break through or I'm just going to move on with my life. So I remember I quit one of my jobs. I was working like three jobs just to like piece it all together in the, the way that made sense with my schedule. So I was like, all right, I'm going to quit like one or two of my jobs and I'm just going to like go all in in the next three months. And if it works out, it works out. And luckily it did. <laughs> it, I ended up, uh, I remember I was like third at St. Anthony's, um, was one of my biggest early results. And, um, I remember I made like $4,000 or something and I was just like, this Ooh. is like the craziest thing ever, you know? And then I remember I won the Philadelphia triathlon and I think I made like $5,000 and I was like, you know, it felt like my life was totally different, right? It was like life changing. Um, but yeah, I started to, to perform and I think, yeah, probably part of it was just betting on myself that, that I would get it done. Um, and then, yeah, I had it started having a lot of success, um, a lot of consistent podiums on like the non-draft Olympic circuit, which at that time there was more of it. There was the escape series. There was New York city and Alcatraz and St. Anthony's. There was a lot, a lot more of it around still. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was eventually I had then quit all my jobs and I was just like, man, this is insane. And felt like I was finally living the dream, which took me three or four years to get to that point from the time I moved, you know, and, uh, and then COVID and then I was thrown right back into it. I had to start working again. I was doing personal training and 
um, you know, back meeting clients at the gym at five 30 in the morning or whatever, and carrying heavy stuff around all day and then training. And, um, so then I had to do it again, you know, and, um, that was really tough. And then in 2021, yeah, I started to just break through again. I was like, okay, we're back on track. And, um, you know, everybody had their challenges through that time. Like I, it was hard for me, but I'm sure it was harder for others. So, um, yeah. And then just really got back on track. And then here we are a couple years after that. And finally, finally feeling like I'm hitting my prime and seeing more of my potential. Yeah. That COVID year, man, <laughs> what a doozy for so many people, but the fact that many people may not know. So you have your BS in kinesiology. Mm -hmm. And so that's probably an easy transferable skill to get your, you know, personal training, uh, certification. So you had something to fall back on again. You've just really set yourself up to always, you know, how to hustle. <laughs> That's I was trying to find a better word, but hustle. It is, you know, how to hustle, you know, how to grind and you know how to make sure like to provide. So, you know, like, Hey, I'm not too high where I can't go back and do the work. Um, and then in 2021, Memphis, New York Olympic, Des Moines, you also placed in under 24, uh, 70.3 worlds. You were 18th. Oh, was I? Yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. I remember, man, St. Like it was in St. George every year and yeah. like, it blows my asthma up. And every time mm -hmm. I went there, it was just a disaster. And I was just like, <laughs> So I felt like I was putting in all these good performances and then I go to worlds and everybody was like, ah, oh, he sucks. <laughs> it's just like, mm -hmm. oh man. So, um, yeah, but yeah, that race. And I remember in Des Moines in 2021, I was like, I think I got a couple races left in me and then I'm going to have to retire if it doesn't happen. And, um, I was able to win that day. And then I won in New York city and stuff. And then it was like, yeah, that kind of just kind of skyrocketed everything. Yeah. So, so thank you for not giving up. Cause look at 2021 was that catalyst year. So that was the second wave. So yeah. we still got some more waves to go. Cause you're just getting started. Just yeah. Getting started. You never know. I mean, hopefully it doesn't go down again, but <laughs> you look, never know. <laughs> you never know, but I have a very, um, we don't know what is guaranteed for us in the books, right? Yeah. But what yeah. we can do is, like you said, bet on ourselves, have faith. You mentioned faith earlier. And just that hope. That's it. That's all we yeah. can do, you know? Yeah. And you just, you never take it for granted. Like every time you win a race, hey, this might be the last race you ever win. Like you, you don't know. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, yeah. every time you do it, it's incredibly difficult and a lot of things need to go right. And it's like you prepare really hard and you hope that happens all the time. But the reality is it's a lot can happen out there. Like there's a million things that can go wrong and to get them all right is, is incredibly difficult. So um, it's like, you, you really got to appreciate all the good ones for sure. So let's fast forward to 2023. You're ranked by PTO as number three. That's major. Yeah, that is absolutely major. Um, I want to talk about, and this is my personal opinion, what I felt like was a breakout race. And it was a, um, I feel like a, a shift in dimensions for you. And that was in Milwaukee. Did you feel a shift after that race? Like you were like, man, I was able to place at this level with mechanical issues and all these things. What was your take on that performance? Yeah, it was, it, you know, things had been trending so well the last like year or so in the lead up. And I had been, I had raced so well through the beginning of the year too. Um, and I was just like, I, I knew things were trending in such a, a good direction and we were on such a good path. And I felt like 
the preparation was so good. And so I kind of like, I had in my mind that it was going to be a really big day. Like I just felt deep down, I was so ready and so prepared and everything was in just in such good balance that I was like, I think I'm ready to go get so much out of myself. And then obviously things didn't go perfect in the race. And, but I was still able to like fight my way back all the way to that point, you know, and come in second. And it was just, it just kind of showed me like, okay, you have to start looking at yourself that you're at this caliber and you can race with the best guys. Um, and it's like, if you really prepare the way you have, like, this is what you're capable of. And then, and you know, I raced a couple of weeks later in Singapore and I was on the podium again and it was like, okay, so you're consistently capable of this. And now just what's it going to take to, to get to the top and start winning. And I think that's, that's where I'm at now is like, how do I make that last little jump? And it's, I think you go through your career and you have these dreams of being the best in the world. And it's kind of just like this thing that's out there. But then when you get that close, it's like, I feel like I can reach out and touch it. And now it's, now it feels real to me. So it's almost like this added wave of motivation and drive because it's like, you really are that close and you can achieve this. Um, and that's just incredibly empowering to me that it's like, I have such an incredible team behind me and we're all moving in the right direction. And it's just like, we can do it, you know? And that's such a strong emotion of just thinking like we can do it. You know, it's, there's, there's no doubt of like, maybe you're not capable. It's just like, Hey, you're that close and we can. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's incredible. And, um, it's almost like you, you always thought you would love to be in this position. And now that you are, how do you react and how do you respond to that? And, um, it's just like, it's just so cool. And it's really hard to describe. Yeah. Just want to say, I, Kristen Blumenfeld benefited from your run in so <laughs> many ways. <laughs> like when you were just moving fast, but I really believe, you know, that whole, um, that drafting, like if running, you know, you can't not, not draft and running, but you gave him life. You gave him some pickup and giddy up and you definitely can run with the best. And that's why you are the fastest runner in this sport in your distance, right? At this time. And I know it's only going to get better from there. It's only going to get sweeter as you continue to get wiser, right? Because with growth becomes wisdom and you learn how to do things a little differently. So let's go. What is next? What? Let's talk about this. Hold on. Because you just got back in the country this week, like a I couple did, of days yeah. ago. Couple let's days. talk about how you are going back to your roots with ITU. You actually did two races overseas, one yeah. in Rome. You did a sprint in Rome yep. and uh, in Brazil, you did an Olympic where yep. you placed fifth, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about the what, the why, and why now? Yeah. Yeah. So this year was interesting. Our championship season, you could call it like the biggest races. We're all over at the end of August. Um, so for me, I didn't want to end the year, um, especially because I got sick for worlds and I wasn't able to race. And I was like, I, you know, I want to keep progressing. And for me, it was mostly what is going to continue to make me better. So what's going to motivate me to get better? What can I work on that's going to make me better in the long run? And the idea I came up with was going back to short course, draft legal world, world triathlon racing. And I think, you know, I think I'm just a different person. I've gotten a lot better. I'm in a different place in life. And I thought, I want to see how I can do. And mm -hmm. the, the door to the Olympic team, like is kind of left open right now by the men a little bit. And if, if you can 
go out there and have some big performances and show that you can do it. Maybe you can get on the team, which is obviously anybody who grows up loving sport, the Olympics are kind of the pinnacle of, of it all. So if there's an opportunity to do that, maybe I can go after it. And um, so I was like, let's go for it. And USA triathlon was on board and uh, yeah, I, I got my, butt kicked in Rome that's for sure and I was like wow okay and but I told myself give yourself one you know it's been a long time and then you have another opportunity next week in Brazil and, and yeah I went fifth place uh, which is my best world cup result ever so I felt like I came back on three weeks of training for it and I was you know I'm ready to be better than I ever was before so I do think if I really focused on it, I could continue to see some more improvement and, and you never know. So, um, but it's, it's a tough lifestyle. I think you're gone a lot and it definitely reinforced for me that I, I don't want to do it that way because I was a bit miserable because I was gone for about three weeks. And I think you get to a point in life where you create a really great life with great people around you and being gone all the time is just not, it's not fun. Um, like I, I love being home with Jess and my dogs and being in my home. And like, I wake up every day and I live an amazing life. Like if I had to describe my perfect day, it's not that far off of what I do on a daily basis. So I think I found how I get the most out of myself. And so if I can, uh, continue to work that in, in a way that, provides balance in my life, then I think, um, you know, I'll do that. And so, yeah, at this point it's looking towards next year for some more opportunities there and, uh, maybe making a push for the Olympic team, but it was, it was really exciting and, um, just a new thing. And I think it's little, lit a little bit of a fire under me with some things I need to get better at. And that's kind of the goal, right. Was to, maybe go out and get my butt kicked and understand how I can get better. So um, I think it'll serve me pretty well for the future. Yeah. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for the journey and the Olympic hopeful, like it's right there and you can taste it. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen next. All right, Jason, what advice <laughs> would you, <laughs> Why are you laughing at my question? You don't even know what I'm about to ask. <laughs> All right. You've been in the game, if my math serves me correctly, 14 years. You're yeah. 16 years old. You're 30 now or are you 31 now? Yeah, I'm 30, man. Mm, 16. My math all right. I got 14. 14. 14. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. There we all go. Right. 14 years of wisdom. What would you say to that beginner who's just starting and or on the cusp of wanting to try? Yeah. Oh, I would just say don't be intimidated by any of it. Um, I think it's it can be a sport where there's there's a lot of a lot of things you need and a lot of stuff. And it's it's very intimidating because the distances might look big or so I would say like, just don't be intimidated by it. Just enter something that excites you. Um, find people that you enjoy being around to do it with. And, um, you know, as you find joy in the sport, you'll naturally start to want to do bigger things and, and do different things. So yeah, just, just gotta get your feet wet and, and go for it and, um, just enjoy it. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said, find some people who you enjoy it with, because this season I'm focusing on like clubs and teams and friends who try together. Right. And so you make, speaking of, you have a good tribe around you. Let's talk about some of the tribes that support you and your efforts. I can call them out if you want me to, but I would like you to call them out. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, the biggest one is just my wife. Um, she's just super supportive and always there to help me and just talk to me. And, um, you know, there's so many challenges in the position I'm in and the races and the performances I'm trying to deliver. And, um, 
yeah, like it's just awesome to have, have that support. Um, and, and somebody around me who, who gets it. And, um, yeah, so I'd say she's, she's the biggest one. It's just the day to day, just helping me with so many things. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's awesome to have a good partner um, who can help you because you do have a tough job. So shout out to Jess. Hey, Jess. Hey. <laughs> and um, you also have some other people like uh, Rudy Project, Blue 70, Ventum, Precision Fuel and Hydration, and Varlow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I... I... I've uh, developed this incredible team of like partners around me um, over how many years now. I think Rudy Project was probably my first sponsor back in, they might've come on in like 2016 or something. So it's been such a long time um, and they've been part of the journey. And uh, so many of these, these sponsors I have, they've come on and I've just worked with them for so many years and it's, it's been really incredible. Um, yeah. Like Varlo, they've got a whole, whole team behind them and like the support I feel is incredible and they're just such great uplifting people, um, which is really awesome to have, you know, I feel like, um, it, like, all those messages, all that support, like you do feel it, you know, and when it's that positive and it's that uplifting, it's, it really does help in some of those lower moments. And, um, you know, I think a lot of the time it, it makes me feel good because I feel like what you get back in life is a reflection of what you're putting out. And if you put out negative stuff, you're probably going to get it back. <laughs> Whereas if you put out a lot of positive stuff, you're going to get positive stuff back. And I feel like a lot of the fans, a lot of the supporters are super positive and I, it makes me feel good about the things I'm doing and the people I'm working with. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's great to have an incredible group behind you that are all supporting you and, and on your team and understanding what you're doing and why you're doing it and, and um, just helping you along the way, because there's so many things to, for me to, to race at the level I do. And it takes so many people and, yeah, it's, uh, I think the higher level I've gotten, the more I've appreciated that. Um, just like all the people that help and all the, the things that they take off my plate so that I can do what I do. It's, uh, yeah. And, and that's the goal is like, continue to surround myself with great people that are helping me move forward. Um, because it's, it really is, it's pretty contagious, you know, like when you have all these different people, that want to support you want to see you move forward. There's like, there's always somebody patting you on the back and like helping you along and you never know who that's going to be, but it's just like when you have a great team around you, it's yeah. Like you just know somebody's always got your back and it's, yeah, yeah it's pretty incredible. That's good. So before I, I meet with any of my interviews, I kind of always just sit to myself to find out, like, who am I really meeting with? Because a lot of times I don't know people. And this is what I heard for you. And I've witnessed it in this interview. Um, your hum humility will always set you apart. You are kind, you are meek, but not a pushover. I have witnessed your humility in this call, your kindness. And you got a little humble brag, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And so I just want you to know that, you know, I, I'm grateful for this call. I'm grateful that you said yes to this interview and you will go far because those are the things that are needed in this world, but have nothing to do with the actual, actual physical attributes. And it's not just about the physicality, but it's also about mentality, personality, and who you are and how you treat those in the world. And you just said it, what you put in and what you give is what you get out. And so you keep putting in the good stuff. You're going to keep getting good in return, Jason. Just don't worry. All right. Now it's time for rapid fire. This is the quick stuff where we get down and dirty. We ask you some questions. You might be like, what? Did you? Hey, listen, this is what we do. So First question that I would like to ask you for a rapid fire is long course in your future. 
You mean Iron Man? <laughs> I mean, long course, because there's long course and then there's the brand Iron Man. So I'm saying, will you be doing more than 70.3 at any time in your future? At any time, yeah, definitely. <laughs> now that we got that out the way. T1 or T2, which is more challenging for you now? Uh, T1. T1, all right. Do you prefer early morning race starts or afternoon race starts? Um, my afternoon. Mm -hmm. Okay. Taper week, love it or hate it? Taper week? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's no love or hate it's just it's kind of neutral yeah it is what it is all right, all right all right swim bike run rank them in your preference of order run bike swim hmm would you ever do a triathlon in the run bike swim order if there was one to be done yeah i'll do i'll do it however you want to do it i'll you swim bike and run whatever order whatever distance I'm ready to go. But. Yeah, right. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Have you ever had, which I know the answer to this is probably yes, but tell us a quick time where you had a bonk moment in a race where you just a completely, bonk? like where you just bonked out. Um, yeah. My first couple 70.3s, like the last 5K. Mm -hmm. I remember the first one I did. Yeah. I was running really well. And I think I ran like it was bad over the last 5K. I still hung on, but it was, yeah, rough. Uh, rough, rough. Um, I don't know if pros get race shirts now. If you get your race shirt, do you keep it for the memories or do you just wear it proudly? Uh, a lot of the time I'll get a large and give it to my dad. Oh, <laughs> that's real love. I love it. All right. After, at the end of a race, are you a beer, wine, soda, or water type of guy? Uh, soda is quite good right after for sure. And uh, yeah, I don't drink a lot. Maybe, probably like whiskey, but. Hey, <laughs> I feel like that song, Applebee's. On a... Okay, anyway. See, I think in song. And... <laughs> uh, anyway, okay. Favorite artist. Speaking of song, what's your who's your favorite artist? Oh boy. Um, I, ACDC was probably growing up my favorite. Okay. Favorite ACDC song. Oh my gosh. Um, maybe like for those about to rock or something. Okay. What gets you, I don't want to use crunk. What gets you excited <laughs> or pumped up? That's a better one. What gets you pumped up, Jason? Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I've almost found not getting pumped up as beneficial for me. I like to stay pretty calm and relaxed, but so, yeah, I mean, I definitely get pretty intense before racing, just knowing it's coming. Um, yeah, but I, I, I'm pretty calm. I have it like, you'll pretty much never see me above okay. a certain point. Yeah. What's going through your mind? Speaking of calmness, what are you telling yourself or rehearsing right before a race to get yourself mentally going? Oh, I usually tell myself like how much it's going to hurt and how much I want to be in that. And then mm. take some deep breaths and I stay calm. And yeah, I just visualize like exactly what I'm going to have to do. So it's just mm. knowing exactly what it is and keeping it simple and knowing that I can do it. So do you have any race superstitions? Um, no, no, I've gotten pretty like chill about, I can do different warm ups, I can do different lead ups. I can, you know, it's, it's always different at every race. And I think you got to just chill and go with flow. All right. And the question that I do not let anyone leave this podcast without asking. <laughs> Do you pee on the bike or get off and take a proper pee break? I have never had to pee during a race. Nice. Um, yeah. I, strange, to, like, which I think I sweat a ton and I'm always the last guy in drug testing because I can't pee. But uh, yeah, I mean, I pee all over myself before the race when I'm getting ready to start. I mean, 
I'm always standing on the start line, just, just peeing all over myself. It, it is what it is, you know, <laughs> no shame. I think anybody who's, who's done triathlon is like, we get it. We get it. Listen, you have to get it. And with that, thank you, Jason, for <laughs> being so vulnerable with us in your candor. I appreciate it. I hope the audience will appreciate it. Man, this was good to me. And so I'm excited to get in and do the editing for people so that they can hear it. And uh, we have this saying on Try Beginners Luck, whenever you try beginners luck, you always win. And I think today's guest, Jason, really showed us that you do win. You just got to stay in it. Be humble. Uh, bet on yourself. And just go after it. Just go after it. And guess what? We about to go after it because we about to be out. Peace. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.